Support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lau Brew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Lau Brew Verdant IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandbrewing.com. Marvellous. Now you, you. Now you. That one. That one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming. I'm sure you're wondering what I'm doing here when you came to learn and talk about beer. But hopefully some of the things I'm going to say are relevant to your organisations and, and where, you, where you work. Um, I do have a microbiology degree. I've not used it since I left Newcastle University 20 years ago, something along those lines. Um, <coughs> ramen is always a good idea. Who agrees with that statement? Yes, a few in here, thank you. Um, so we started Tonkotsu 12 years ago, and um, before we thought ramen was always a good idea, we thought sushi was always a good idea. It turns out sushi is not always a good idea. Um, it wasn't the best business in the world. We had a great product, a great team, we loved it but we couldn't compete with the likes of Itsu and Wasabi and all those businesses that were growing around us at a rate of knots, had a lot of money to invest in technology. Um, it was a labor of love, small margins, great business. As we were working on that business uh, in the doldrums, wondering what to do next, we hit on what turned out to be a much better idea, much better business. So we went to Japan as we'd been a few times before. And um, at least once a day, you have a ramen in Japan. I don't know who's been to Japan. But at some point in the day, it features. The earliest I've had a ramen is 6 AM at Skiji Fish Market. And the latest is 4 AM on the way home after karaoke. And we thought, why is nobody selling really good, decent ramen in London in a dedicated ramen shop? There was ramen around, but not the way we wanted to do it. Um, you know, and, and the first idea we had for the sushi place was an idea that came to us in the Warrington Hotel, a pub in Maida Vale. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that place. <laughs> this, this idea also came to us in a pub. Uh, this time in Japan, um, it turned out to be a much better idea in the end, um, a much better business and a real lesson in keeping it simple. So, here to talk a bit about culture and what I think that means to our business and how that can be relevant to, to yours as well. Um, 
To be honest, when we started the business, we didn't have a mega business plan. We didn't come off the back of an MBA and think, you know, we, we've got this sorted. Um, we genuinely loved ramen. We thought, we've got a business that doesn't work very well. What can we do next? Set something up that hopefully will make some money. So we just kind of started that way with the food at the center of everything that we did. So at the beginning, we didn't make our own noodles, but quickly afterwards, we decided that we would do that. And working on the food is a founding principle of tonkotsu, and there are lots of things that we just will not compromise on, on quality. And I think there are a lot of things that run through the people side of the business as well, kind of founding principles about you know, fairness and we both work hard. I think there's something about founder visibility that's really important um, in, a smaller, in a smaller business as well. People kind of naturally tend to follow you. Um, so that became the culture, I guess. Ken and I being at the center of it, working hard. Yeah, we don't always make the right decisions, but hopefully people trust us to make the best decisions that we can at the time. You know, we genuinely love our business. We love the people that work there. Um, we grew organically um, with this chaotic kind of setup in a way. There was restaurant managers, me and Ken, doing everything, um, and the teams that sat within that, because we were all working really hard together, there was a really naturally tight culture that formed. You know, everybody was grafting towards the same thing. Um, but as we got a bit bigger, we thought we really should start writing some stuff down. So that, you know, as we grow, and we wanted to grow by that point, we thought we do have a business that's going to work. Um, but as we grow, there's something, the principles that people can follow, you know, when we're not around them all day, every day. But we were kind of scared that by codifying this structure, this way that we work, this culture, by codifying the culture, we would in some way lose the magic we would corporatize this, this thing that we'd created. Um, <clears throat> so we started to work with a small branding agency, terrifying process. Um, and what was even more scary was they brought Ken and I in at the beginning of the process, and then they quickly removed us. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. And, and it was brilliant, actually. They did many focus groups with our team and our customers. And they asked them what they thought Tonkotsu was about. What is our culture? And they came up with this set of eight values. And the ones on the left, are the main kind of core values that we live and breathe by, um, with always with food at the center of our business and, and what we do. So. Fears were kind of unfounded, you know, it, it didn't feel too corporate and it felt like this is something that we can describe to people when they come into the business and they kind of understand what it is that we stand for. And they felt very true to us. It really resonated. Ken and I were so happy when we saw them, you know, this is genuinely what our business is about. And, it, and it's not just corporate brand speak. Um, Ken is working on the ramen all the time. You know, even when you think it doesn't need to be improved, he's Japanese, so he will be in there tweaking the recipe, making it better, 
we did something about a month ago with our chicken broth that added quite a lot of cost. You know, we've got investors and we've got a finance team that are saying, what are you, what are you doing? But our commitment is to delivering the best food we can in the, in the best environment. And I think our team love that dedication to the quality. Um, so that more expensive chicken broth is now in all the restaurants if you've got a chance to go and uh, go and taste it. Um, as far as the people side um, and looking at how we kind of engage our people in our, in our culture, um, we started to do an employee survey. Lots of businesses do employee surveys. Lots of businesses forget about them, put them in the bin, can't action what's on there. Um, we felt really strongly that if we're going to do it, we've got to make it count. So we do an annual survey, and then off the back of that, we run focus groups that Ken and I are not involved in. In fact, nobody in the senior team is involved in that. We work with an external HR, and they basically tell them everything they love and hate about the business, and then give us a massive to-do list. <laughs> um, and some things are small and some things are bigger, but we committed to change um, where we can. And we go back to them where we track that progress. We make sure that they see us being accountable for the changes that they want to make. Not, we can't do everything that they, that they want. Um, pay always comes up, obviously. But there are things about kind of working practices that were kind of easy to, to put in place. Um, they love to see that. And so we introduced another survey. So we're doing two a year now, the full employee survey, and then a second one that comes after six months. Um, and that one is more around diversity and, and happiness. And so, you know, we know as an organization, just from looking around, for example, that we're very diverse at team member level. But how does that diversity change as we go up into management teams and uh, into central office. And as we expected, the stats are very new and I haven't, I haven't got them to show you here, but we're, guess what? <laughs> we're less diverse as we go up the organization. But we could see that in the teams, but we didn't have the data. So I think if you're going to really engage in culture and improve the culture, you need to measure it and you need to work out what are the metrics start measuring it. Once you measure it, you know that you can do something about it. So for example, can we set up a mentoring scheme for people from different backgrounds so that they were spotting the talent earlier on? If they don't see somebody that looks like them at a senior level, how do we encourage them to apply for those roles um, in a more structured way? Um, so that's all starting to happen. And it's, it's been really, really interesting and exciting. Um, we're now part of, of this people and culture index with, does everybody know Honest Burger? Yes. yes. Okay. A guy called Phil, one of the founders of Honest Burger, has started a people and culture index where they look at basic stats in the industry, but not everybody's measuring them in the same way. So we got together with Dishoom, Hawksmoor, uh, Honest, Us, and a few others that we know care about people and culture. And we start to track how we're doing in terms of tenure by role, people turnover, recruitment onboarding. If people are leaving within the first 90 days, why is that? Did you recruit the wrong person? 
did you not look after them when they came in? Is the training not good enough? Um, team stability, this is a really interesting statistic that they use in a lot of sports teams, that the longer a team works together, it's a much bigger sum of its parts. So great analogy is football. You know, we've got these football teams like Chelsea, for example, that spend a lot of money on players and they're not doing as well as they should be on paper because for some reason the team's not gelling. Where you've got teams like Brighton, for example, much, much cheaper team. They've been playing together a lot longer and last season they way over-indexed on where they should sit in the league, really, according to you know, the talent in the team. So making sure that people can work together longer, better. And then internal progression, like we just talked about, are you spotting talent? Are you encouraging them to do, um, to do as well as they can? You know, just going back to this one, I think it's easy to write these down and then just stick them on a wall and the management team's got them and you think, you kind of forget about it. You have to make them integral to all of the people, things that you do in the business. So how are you recruiting? Are you recruiting for values or are you recruiting for, um, for talent? Hopefully both. Sometimes you can take a flyer on somebody who you know is just going to be super fit in and committed and you get so much more out of them than somebody who's um, kind of more experienced potentially. So they've got to be woven into job descriptions training, all of the L&D stuff, and just make sure, annual reviews as well. Are you reviewing based on KPIs or are you reviewing based on values? And I think both of them have to be an important part of it. So, does anybody know who said this? Oh. It's a Richard Branson quote. And um, love or loathe him. <laughs> it's really, it's really difficult, isn't it, letting people go, especially if they're good at their jobs on paper. But we'll have all been there when somebody is, you know, good at their job, but they're not working very well as part of the team, or they might not be being very nice to people and being a bit of an aegis. Um, and I think, you know, how do you hire and fire based on values and not just on the KPIs that we talked about? And if you've got those values running through the business, then that becomes something that you can talk about. Um, they're the guys that will be kind of, especially at a senior level. In a business like ours, you make one wrong hire at senior level, and it is amazing, having done it. Um, well, maybe names. Um, it, it really um, can change the dynamic of, of the whole team and the culture of the business. Um, so I'd say to wrap up, the key thing that I think that you can do as a business is do codify your values. Do do that if you can. And also um, to measure the things that you care about in your business. So look at this, look at the diversity, look at diversity across the ranks of the business, if that, they're the things you care about, and try and help and support people um, as they're climbing through your business. Thank you. Brilliant, Emma, thank you ever so much.